Hello and welcome back to Brailcast Extra, recorded on Tuesday the 16th of May 2023. My name is Matthew Horsepool. I'm the General Manager at the Brailists Foundation and it's wonderful to be with you today for this session. We're joined tonight by James Bowden, who is the Braille Technical Officer at RNIB. James is also the chair of the Braille Coding Group, which is part of the UK Association for Accessible Formats. And he is also the UK representative to the International Council on English Braille, actually on several levels. Uh, He's the UK representative to the Code Maintenance Committee, uh, which is uh, unlike what you might think. Uh, People say Code Maintenance Committee, that must be to do with computer code. It's actually not. It's to do with the Braille code. Uh, So James is the the UK representative to that committee. So if we need to approve any new uh, signs or symbols or short forms or anything like that, Um, it would go uh, via James to the International Council on English Braille. He's also the UK representative to the Executive Committee of the International Council on English Braille, um, and he chairs the ICEB Braille Technology Committee. So um, certainly the the most qualified person to talk about the subject that we're going to talk about today, which is UEB indicators, bold, italics, underline, and of course capitals and grade one mode. But before we get to that presentation, uh, the other person who will be doing a lot of talking tonight, probably not as much talking as James, but still a very important bits of talking, is our moderator for this session, who is Chantel Griffiths. Good evening, Chantel. Hello. Or should I say good morning, because you're coming to us all the way from Auckland in New Zealand. (laughs) Yes, very early in the morning. (laughs) Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Chantelle will be popping up a bit later on to tell us uh, how to ask questions during the session. So with all of that out the way, uh, it only remains for me to say good evening to James Bowden. Good evening. Good evening, Matthew. How are you? I'm very good, sir. Yes. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, all that introduction makes me found, sound frightfully scary. I hope I'm not going to be scary. Um, and I'm hoping that by the end of this session, um, many of you who are listening will be hopefully a little bit more comfortable with what may seem at first a load of extra dots. Um, I have heard it described that way. Um, I know there is a word in there somewhere. I've heard that said as well. So hopefully we will try and decode some of the mystery. I'm going to break this session into three parts. Um, Matthew has already indicated what we're going to talk about. I'm going to start with, hopefully, um, the easiest one, which is capitals. Easiest by virtue of the fact um, many Braille codes already showed capitals. I said many, not all. So if you are, if you learn Braille um, with the standard English Braille or SEB system, uh, which is what we had in the UK before UEB, then you'll know that we routinely did not write capitals. So I'll talk about capitals first. So the signs are basically dot six represents a capital letter. Um, A single dot six is for a single capital letter immediately following. So capital letter I, dot six I. And you would always write the dot six in UEB. Um, Capitals are always shown. If you have a whole word in block capitals, such as BBC, DVD, and a whole bunch of other things like that. Two dot sixes show that the whole word is in capitals. And if you have a whole bunch of words all in block capitals, if you have more than three or more, you can write three dot sixes at the beginning to show everything's in block capitals. And then at the end, after the last word, you can write dot six, dot three, which means stop capitals. So let's say that again. A single dot six is for a single capital letter. 
Two dot sixes is for a capital word. Three dot sixes is a passage of capitals. So everything is in block capitals from that point onwards. And at the end, you write dot six dot three. I should have said at the beginning, um, do feel free to take your own notes as we're going on. Um, it was in the meeting invitation. If you'd like to take notes, you are very welcome. And as Matthew said, there will be a handout with all this information on after the meeting. So let's look at some examples of capitals. And hopefully this will be relatively straightforward. The first example I've got here is I gave Tom a DVD. So we would write that in UEB dot six I, because I is always capitalized in English, gave Tom is a name, so that's capital T, so dot six T O M, a DVD. That is three capital letters. So it's really a capitalized word. So dot six dot six D V D and then a full stop at the end. So far, so good. How about in block capitals? Take a ticket. Could be something you see as a sign somewhere. Take a ticket is three words. Therefore, it's going to be a passage of block capitalized. Three dot sixes at the beginning, dot six, dot six, dot six, T-A-K-E, space A, space T-I-C-K-E-T, end the capitals, dot six, dot three. So that's three dot sixes at the beginning. Take a ticket and then dot six, dot three at the end. Now, just for completeness, a capitalized word, that's when you have two dot sixes, finishes with any non-alphabetic character. It's quite important to say that, any non-alphabetic character. So that's something that's not a letter. So be careful of cases like, for example, Capital M, capital P, apostrophe, small s. So it could be, for example, the MP's tax return. Um, topical in the news sometimes. Um, so you might see that. So it's capital M, capital P, apostrophe, small s. So you would write that dot six dot six MP. Apostrophe is not a letter, so we don't need to terminate the capitals explicitly because the apostrophe is not a letter. And then S would be written just as an ordinary S because it is small. We finish the capitals. Dot six, dot six, MP, dot three, S, MPs. But that does mean if you had all in block capitals, don't run. So we've got two words. We can't use the passage, the block capitals with three. We can't use that. We use just two dot sixes before don't. Two dot sixes before run. But the T of don't is also capital. And it's after something which is not a letter. So this is the slightly awkward one. Don't run in block capitals is written dot six dot six d o n apostrophe dot three capital t is dot six t have to restate the capital because we've had something which wasn't a letter and then dot six dot six run that's a little bit awkward let me go through that again a capital word finishes when you have any non-alphabetic character something that's not a letter and if you have more capitals immediately following for example an apostrophe you have to restate the capital 
a bit awkward, but you have to have the case when there's a lowercase s after the apostrophe, like MPs. And you also have the case when you have a capital after an apostrophe, such as the word don't, all written in capitals. Well, that's enough talking for me for now. I hope I haven't frazzled anybody quite yet. Just to recap, 1.6 means a capital letter. 2.6 means a capital word. 3.6, three or more words, all in block capitals. And at the end of that, you write dot six, dot three, and that means finish. Thank you so much for that explanation so far. Sometimes it can be a bit tricky to work out when you do and don't use those, those three capitals. So thank you for that. So first, um, we're going to go to Steve. And then we are going to go to um, somebody on, on the phone. And I will give details of who's coming up next very shortly. So Steve, uh, you are unmuted. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Um... Just a quick, uh, my Zoom kept dropping out, so just in case I missed something, um, with the termination of a block, with a, a sorry, capitalised word with a non-alphabetic character. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned hyphenated words or not, what you do in that circumstance. I may have missed it. You have to restate the capitals after the hyphen. Yeah. So it'd be two so, dot sixes that's for right. each of the two parts yeah. of it, yeah. Fantastic. Dot six B I T E hyphen dot six dot six S I Z E. Yeah, fantastic. That's great. Perfect. Thank you, Steve, for your question. That's great. Next up, we're going to uh, phone number ending in eight eight three two, and I'm asking you to unmute now. Hello, it's Rita here. Um, like the last speaker, I might have. You might have already explained what I'm going to ask because it dropped out with me as well. Um, my question is, um, you gave the example of take a ticket. If you were putting a full stop on the end of that, do you still need the end indicators? And if you do, in which order do they come? It's a very good question there, Rita. Typically, you would put the capitals passage before the first word and the end capitals after the punctuation after the last word. But there are caveats to that that I don't really want to get into. Um, but basically, you would put the dot six dot three after your full stop. OK, lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your question. It's great to have you participating. OK, so now we are going to go to Norman and then we're going to Russell. OK, so Norman, you are unmuted. Welcome. So I sorry, I, I came in a bit late, so I may have missed this may have been said. Um, to, do with, to do with the capital terminator. If you've got less than three words, does that mean you will never under any circumstances use the capital terminator? The dot six dot three. There are cases where you might use a capital terminator in the middle of a word, which is half in block capitals and half in lowercase. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you would not normally use it in the normal case. So if you have one word in block capitals, it's just dot six, dot six, word. Yeah. If you had two words in block capitals, dot six, dot six, word one, dot six, dot six, six word, word two. two. Yeah. No need for the capital terminator. OK, got you. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Norman, for your question. Much appreciated. So um, I think we'll we'll carry on to the next bit, James. If you're if you're happy with it. Yes, yeah, sure. Okay, so that's capitals. Just a recap: one dot six before a single capital letter, two dot sixes before one word, and three dot sixes before three or more words, all written in capitals, and then dot six dot three at the very end. Okay, the next thing I'd like to possibly try and demystify a little bit is what is now called a grade one indicator. Now, those of you who know Braille from previous systems will know this as a letter sign. It's dot five, six, just the same. 
And it has a very similar function, but you can use it in non-letter instances. Um, that's why they changed the name to a grade one indicator. So dot five six still basically used to show that the next sign is not a contraction. So the typical case we used to have would be a single letter like the letter C. You would have to put a dot five six somewhere to stop it being read as the letter can. It's not a contraction. In UEB, you would write dot five six C if it was a lowercase c or dot five six dot six c if it was a capital C. And it's always that order five six six and then the capital letter. Now that will be familiar to some folks who have used capitals in their previous braille codes as well. Now then, having said that, we only use the dot five six in UEB when you really need to. So in previous braille codes, you use dot five six all over the place. In UEB, you only need it when you need to prevent reading of a contraction. So all of the following in UEB do not need a dot five six. The first one is BBC. It's written in capitals, so it's dot six dot six BBC. Can't be misread as a contraction. You cannot misread that as anything else. You don't need a five six. Next one I've got is CM for centimeters. Assume that it's standing on its own. Assume it's not attached to a number. So it's just CM. It can't be misread as a contraction. Therefore, you don't need a dot five six next to it. Now, if, you, if it was 10 space CM, 10 space CM, the same is true. CM cannot be misread as anything else. You don't need a special sign before CM. 10 cm without a space. Aha. Now we've got to distinguish that, that it's not 103m, it's 10 cm. So just like in previous Braille codes, you would put a 56 before the C to prevent it being misread as a number. So just to recap, 10 cm with a space, no special signs needed. 10 cm without a space. Number AJ for 10, 56 sign CM centimeters. Next one I've got here is GP, as in your GP surgery. It's written in capitals, so that's just dot six, dot six, GP. Can't be misread as contraction, you don't need a 56. UK or indeed USA. Again, it can't be misread as anything else. No dot five six is required. Just your capital words as usual. Dot six dot six UK or dot six dot six USA. I've got another example here, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. First of all, with a space, number sign six, space, PM. PM can't be misread. It's written in lowercase in this time, so we don't need any signs at all before PM. Can't be misread as anything else. Now, 6 PM without a space, actually, it's exactly the same. Number sign six, PM. No special indicators required because you can't misread P as a number. How, co how cool. Now then, I have some more interesting examples here. I, rem I, I mentioned that you use the 5-6 sign to prevent contractions. So instead of giving Tom 
a DVD. What happens if I gave Tom a CD? Do you remember those things? I've still got some myself. Um, even listen to them sometimes, yeah. So a CD, CD is a contraction for the word could. Therefore, we do need a five, six. So it's five, six, 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 CD. Remember the, the capital signs always go the closest to the letters because it's a capital letter. So five, six, that means it's not a contraction. And then six, six, CD. By the same token, if I was going to the NEC, the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham, it would be 5666 NEC to prevent the contraction for necessary. Okay, so far I've only put five, six before letters. How about, here's a really interesting one, a question mark, but it's on its own. It's not attached to a word. It's just a question mark. You could, for example, say, the computer said, and then online by itself, question mark. That's the sort of thing that might come up in random text. How do you show a question mark all on its own? Well, if you wrote just the lower H on its own, that would be misread as the contraction for the word his. Therefore, we need a grade one indicator to say, this is not a contraction. So five, six, lower H would be a question mark in a strange place. In other words, like on its own or not attached to anything. Slightly rare case, but just to show you can do it. And I've seen this one before. When you talk about file types on a computer and you put a full stop at the beginning of it, like um, a .brf file or a .txt file, how do you write that full stop without it being misread as the contraction for dis, dis? I don't want a disbrf file. I want a .brf file. Well, the answer is exactly the same. You use the .56 grade one indicator to say this lower D is not a contraction. And therefore you can write .56 lower D BRF. Okay, so far so good. 5-6 is used to prevent the next character being misread as a contraction. Use only where needed. You don't need to put it everywhere. Now then, just as there are capital words and capital passages, there's even a grade one word indicator and a grade one passage indicator. No guesses. It's dot five six dot five six and dot five six dot five six dot five six. When everything's in grade one mode for here on for here on in, and then at the end it's five six dot three. Now then, before anybody gets totally overwhelmed by all this, these are mostly used when you're having mathematical expressions. And I don't want to get into too much detail about that. But I do have one example where you would use a capital word indicator. I've got a word written out here, W hyphen A hyphen L hyphen K hyphen I hyphen N hyphen G. Spell that word so the dog doesn't get excited. So. You could write 56W hyphen A hyphen 56L hyphen 56K hyphen I hyphen 56N hyphen 56G. That looks horribly messy. It really does. And did you notice that I did not put one in before A or I? That was deliberate because they can't be misread as a contraction. So you could do it that way, but it looks horribly messy. So actually, you put 
0.56.56 out the front. And then the whole of the next bit until the next space is all to be, to be regarded as grade one. 5656 W hyphen A hyphen L hyphen K hyphen I hyphen N hyphen G. I think that's quite cool. Now, the final thing I need to say here is the numeric indicator, otherwise known as a number sign, dots three, four, five, six. It also sets RAID one mode until a space, a hyphen, or a dash. Now, again, most of the time, that's of relevance if you're doing mathematics. I'm not really talking about that today, but you will come across the consequences of that when you have, for example, number one ST or number four TH, because you don't write the contractions. The number sign also sets grade one mode, and therefore number one ST is first, and number four TH is fourth. Alrighty, like before, I hope I haven't frazzled anybody's brain. Let's take a few questions. Fantastic. You're explaining things very well. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to try and um, talk to Russell first. Hello. Hi. Can, Welcome. Can yes. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, I just have a question about, uh, you, you, you kind of cut out when you're giving the example of walk dash don't run. Could you just go through that quickly again? Um, I know it starts with three dot sixes and then walk. Sure. So the example was all written in capital letters, walk dash don't run exclamation mark okay. and it's three words or more therefore you can put three dot sixes at the uh -huh. beginning and then you write the whole of the rest of it walk dash don't run exclamation mark and then at the end you can write dot six dot three after the exclamation mark to show that's the end of the capitals and you don't need the the dot six after the apostrophe and that's and right and so there's there's a couple of bits of punctuation in that example. There's a dash and there's an apostrophe. And because you've said everything's in block capitals, you don't need to restate it at all. You just say when it finishes. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for your question. Now we are going to go to uh, Tina. Uh, welcome. You are unmuted. Hi. Um why would you have to put a space before you put a question mark and then put the um, put the um, word indicator sign before it? Why can't you just put the question mark straight after the word? You're you're right there, Tina. Um, normally, you do put the question mark immediately after a word. It's the normal case. I deliberately chose a case where I said the computer said. And then a new line, and it's just a question mark on its own, and nothing else next to it. It's an exceptional case. It is not a grammatical sentence. So you, you're saying that there's a pause between the word said and then the question? There's a whole new line between the word said and the question mark. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, I could understand if you if you were writing something and you come to the end of the line of braille, you couldn't put it on the end. No, no, you wouldn't do that. Even then, you'd move the whole of the word said to the new line. But this is an exceptional case where you've just got a question mark on its own for whatever reason the author decided. It is not a normal grammatical sentence. Going to say because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's right. It is not a normal grammatical sentence. But one of the points of UEB is you can throw anything at it and you'll get sensible braille. You know, so if you have a question mark on its own, you can represent that. All right. Okay. Okay. So it's an if, it's not a norm. Thanks, Tina. Thanks for your question. Um, it's great to have you on board with us. We are going to go to Elizabeth, and then we're going to carry on with um, with James. So, Elizabeth, hi. Hi. 
So um, I just have a really quick question about acronyms that are spoken, like U.S. AARP. When they're when they're capitalized, um, when I'm using Duxbury, the word U.S. comes out as the us contraction, which sort of makes sense, you know, but it isn't correct. So can you clarify the those kinds of situations where cat where capitalized acronyms are dealt with like that that are actually spoken rather than just abbreviated sure. like a word sure yes so, <laughs> sorry <laughs> no 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 it's it is a slightly tangential question um but we can certainly answer it so you would normally write dot six dot six u s um uh, another example is dot six dot six w h o dot six dot six p o w um so you would write it in grade one with a required capital word indicator at the beginning okay that's what i thought i was just verifying and if what you want to do that in duxbury you can do that with various different code options come to our master class in a few months <laughs> on duxbury codes all righty then thank you you're welcome thank you elizabeth for your question as well um so James, uh, we would like to, maybe we should just continue with your last part and then we will take the rest of the questions, um, what, what we can um, after that. Cool, thank you very much, Chantel. So the last part of this presentation is what we call type forms. Now that sounds horrible word. Basically in print, there's all sorts of different ways you can style text in bold or underlined or italicized or in script writing and all sorts of other different things, different types of text. And collectively, they're called type forms. Now, in previous Braille codes, particularly standard English Braille, the code in the UK, there was one sign for italics. And that really did triple duty. And it really was used for any kind of emphasis. And it didn't really tell you what it was. Um, people just called it italics because that was the traditional way. In UEB, we've got lots of interesting signs which can actually tell you what kind of emphasis it is. Is it italicized? Is it bold? Is it underlined? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And though we're not going to cover them tonight, there are even signs for transcribers to say, this is a really special, interesting case, and I need to tell you about it. And then you would tell you, actually, this really special, interesting case is, is written in green, and it's got a red underline. Um, and you can even show that in UEB, should you really, really need to. Not going to cover the transcriber special ones tonight. We're just going to look at the italics, bold, and underline the three main ones. So just like former Braille codes, all the signs for italics in UEB start with dots for six. But unlike previous Braille codes, all the signs for italics in UEB are two cell signs. So it's dots four, six, followed by something else. And that second cell tells you how much italics. OK, I'm going to repeat this a couple of times for those taking notes. Please feel free. If you have just a single character or a single symbol written in italics, you put dots four, six and then dots two, three. So that's four, six, and then two, three. A single symbol. I think of that dots two, three as a bit like a B. So it's a symbol. If you have a single word in italics, you would write dots four, six, followed by dot two. Dot two looks like a a bit like a one, so it's one word in italics, dots four, six, dot two, and then the word. We'll come on to some examples in a little bit. There's two more signs. If you have three or more words all written in italics, you would start the italics passage at the beginning 
with dots four six, dots two three five six. It's like a lower G. G for passage. Dots dots four six, dot two three five six, for three or more words in italics. And how do you show the end of italic? Well, no guesses here. It's going to be dot four six and then dot three. We've seen that kind of pattern before, haven't we? Dot six, dot three, close of capitals. Dots five, six, dot three, close a grade one passage. Dot four, six, dot three, finish italics. And you'll find that pattern continues with the other indicators as well. And just as the other ones, you write the start italic sign before the word. And if you need it, the end italic sign dot four six dot three goes afterwards. So then let's have some examples. He wants help. And the word help is written in italics. OK, see if we can work this one out. It's got a capital H to start with. So dot six H E space wants space and then help is written in italics it's one word so it's dot four six dot two and then h e l p so that's capital h dot six h e he wants dots four six dot two help all right two words now the book jane eyre and Jane Eyre is written in capitals. Sorry, yes, it, capitals for J, capitals for E. And it's written in italics, the whole book title. Remember, the capital sign always goes next to the letter. So it is dot four, six, dot two, italic word. And then a dot six, Jane. And then the second word, dot four, six, dot two. Another dot six, capital E, for E-Y-R-E, Jane Eyre. Italic word, capital Jane. Italic word, capital Eyre. All right, one more. Press button to roll dice, and it's all written in italics. And it's got a full stop at the end. That's more than three words. I should say more than three or more words. Therefore, it's a italic passage. So dot four six lower G, start the italics passage, capital P for press, button two roll dice, full stop, close the italics with dot four six dot three. Say that again, four six lower G at the beginning, capital P for press, button to roll dice, full stop, close the italics, Four six dot three. All right, that's italics. What about bold? Well, it's really, really similar. All you do is you change dot four six to dot four five. Dot four five, I think of it a bit like a B, but it's written on the other side of the cell. So four five followed by dot two would be one word in bold. Four, five, two, three would be a single symbol, just one character written in bold. Four, five, lower G is begin a bold passage of three or more words. And four, five, dot three, end bold. Go for some examples. What the word note written in bold you might have that in a book which it says note da, 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 da. and the word note is written in bold to make it hopefully stand out at least to somebody it's a single word so four five dot two capital n so dot six n o t e no need to terminate it because there's only one word all right this one is a slight gotcha, so be careful here. Radio 2, and it's all written in bold. 
It's two words. It's not a passage. It's only two words. So first word is radio. So that's dot four, five, dot two, dot six R, for capital R for radio. And then the number two, that's a single character. Aha. Uh -huh. Therefore, we use dot four, five, dot two, three. But just a single character. Now, arguably, you could use dot two because it is also a word. But by convention, a single character is normally done with the dot two, three. So radio two, let's do that again. Four, five, dot two, start bold word. Dot six, radio, capital R. Four, five, two, three, number sign, two. One more, this is the bold passage, three words or more. Complete all boxes, something you might see on a form perhaps. Three or more words, therefore it's a passage. Four, five, lower G, capital complete, capital C for complete, all boxes. Four, five, dot three to end the bold. I hope this is beginning to make some kind of sense. Let's just do the one more, the underline. Should you need underline text? Not quite so often used nowadays, but it is still available. It's almost exactly the same system again, except instead of dot four five for bold or dot four six for italic, it's dot four five six for underline. So four, five, six, followed by dot two would be a single word in underlined text. Or you could have four, five, six, lower G for the start of a passage in underlined. And you've got four, five, six, two, three for just a single character underlined. Or you have four, five, six, dot three for the end underlined sign. OK, examples again. Exit underlined only. So the word only is underlined. Exit has a capital E. That'll be a dot six EXIT space. Underlined word is four, five, six, dot two. And then the word only. What about half price sale? All underlined. It's three or more words. And for whatever reason, it's all written in lowercase letters in this example. So it's just the underlined signs we need. Four, five, six, lower G to start, underline, three or more words. Half price sale, and then end the underline with four, five, six, dot three. That's all I want to say about type forms. There are others, but I think bold italics and underline are the most common ones. Just a few quick resources if you want further information about all this stuff. The UK Association for Accessible Formats, UCAF, has various resources and reference documents on these things. They're free to download from the UCAF website, www.ukaaf dot org forward slash ueb that includes a one-page reference document there's also kind of a, a summary sheet of what's changed between the older seb standard english braille and unified english braille and should you want it there's a link to the entire reference book on Unified English Braille, which is called The Rules of Unified English Braille, which is available to download from the International Council on English Braille website. But there's a link from ucaf.org forward slash UEB. For those people in the UK, you can also order these in hard copy from the RNIB. The single sheet and the what's changed documents are free. 
and it's the normal number to call RNIB 0303-123-9999. Now, it was mentioned earlier about the SD card for the orbit reader. If you have got one of these, there is a Braille reference section and these documents are included in some way on, in there. There's a summary of UEB and it gives you these signs and the changes as well. Fantastic. That was great, James. Thank you so much. I really like the way that you described how you remember the different um, different symbols. Um, that's fantastic. So we've got time for a couple more questions uh, before we end the session tonight. So uh, first of all, um, we are going to go to Elvia, then we're going to Hazel, um, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> so um, Elvia, welcome. Yeah, I'm muted. Great. Hi, James. It was a great presentation. Wonderful stuff. But I just have one very quick question. Um, you mentioned that this is for grade one UEB. So if I were typing in grade two UEB, but I needed to have access to the italics, underlining and bold and all of the other great things that you just explained to us throughout this whole presentation, would I then when I get to those, what's the word I'm looking, when I need to input these particular features in my document, then would I switch my grade input to grade one instead of grade two to accomplish this task? And then when I'm done, go back to grade two? No, 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 no. Um, I, 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 the, sorry, the, the grade one indicator, which I was talking about earlier, is to prevent a contraction, okay? Uh, and you only need to put that in if you want to say this is not a contraction that's following. So, for oh. example, the letter D or the letter F is not the letter do or the letter from. OK, so when okay. you want to write um, a word in italics, all your contractions can still be used just as normal. So, for example, um, be careful written in grade two with all the contractions and it happens to be in italics as well. You would write dot four six dot two lower b space dot four six dot two c a r sign e five six l. Does that Thanks. make sense? Yes, this is fantastic. I needed to know these things because I'm I'm using my Braille Sense six for my university, and I had to do a paper with underline and bold and text, and I thought, okay, I don't know how to do it yet, so I got to go back to my Windows computer. <laughs> ah. No, I don't know if 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 a braille note would do these things. Um, that will be for a braille note expert. Okay. All right. Well, I'll test it. I like to play around with my stuff, and so yeah, definitely. But I do have Dexberry also, so that helps a lot. This is great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your great presentation. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, LVS. Really great to have your question. Right. So we're going to go to Hazel. Welcome. Hi, yeah. Thank you very much for a good session there, James. Very interesting with regard to the UEB sign. Uh, my question is, when you're coming to use more than one, say you've got bold and underline in the same bit, say, for example, you're doing a title and it's bold and underlined on a report, would was there particular symbols you would use or would you just end up repeating your, your bold symbol and your the underlined symbol? and then put the end bit at the end with the whatever it is <laughs> who answers so ueb does let you write as many indicators as you need should you really really want to show it's bold and underlined you can but you mentioned that magical word title the fact yes. that you've centered something is sufficient and you don't need to show any special type forms because it's a title so centered titles do not normally show any type form indicators the fact that it's centered is sufficient clarification right okay so when you're writing a report you've got fair various different sections within the report and you've got like headings as well and you've you got subheadings well again yes. you see mm -hmm. you you're supposed to lay those subheadings out in a particular way Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's the fact that they're laid out in that particular way is sufficient 
to say this is a heading. You do not need to add the type forms in those headings as well. Now, sub sub headings, that's your level three headings. Mm -hmm. They do use italics just as they always used to. Right. Okay, so yep. I wasn't really going to get into document no. formatting, um, but the normal case, you've got a main centered heading. You do not normally need to show that it's a special type as well. Right. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Can I just say, if you, if you still have questions, please do get in touch and we'll do our yes. best to answer the questions. Indeed. Thank you very much to James once again for delivering a wonderful masterclass. Thank you very much to Chantelle for moderating this evening's session. And thank you to all of you for attending. From myself, Matthew Horsepool and everybody else on the Brailists team, thanks very much and bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brailcast Extra. You can find more Braille-related content by subscribing to Braillecast, all one word, in your podcast client of choice, or listening to Braillecast, connecting the dots for Braillists everywhere on your smart speaker. For the latest information about future Braillists events and how to join live, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter at braillists.org slash newsletter slash sign up. You can also visit our events page at braillists.org slash events. If you have comments on this recording or suggestions of topics or guests for future events, we'd love to hear from you. Please email help at braylists.org. You can also find the Braylists on Twitter at Braylists or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Foundation. Finally, if you like what you've heard, spread the word. We welcome new listeners and live participants alike. So if you know other people who are interested in Braille, please tell them where to find us. In the meantime, on behalf of everyone at the Braillists, thanks for listening and bye for now. The costs of producing this episode were defrayed by a grant from the Activate Fund of the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. For more information, visit wcmt.org.uk.